like to welcome you this morning as we turn to God's word. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter three. We are going to be reading Colossians three verses five through 17. Now, as you remember from last week's study of Colossians, we are called by Paul to put off the old self. Last week we talked about how we are to put off the old self by killing sin, by putting it to death. That is the negative side, if you will, of being joined to Christ. We put off those old things that we were joined to. This week, as we continue going through these verses, we see that there's also a positive side. That as we are united to Christ, we put off the old self, but we also put on The new self, the new self that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, when we are joined to Christ, we receive all that Christ is and all that he has done. And just as he has accomplished salvation for us, and as we are joined to him through faith, we receive that salvation. We are also joined to him in his life and what he is doing now. And that will change who we are as we live in Him. So let us turn our attention now to God's Word in Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, going through verse 17. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let us pray. Father, we come to You this morning desiring to hear Your Word. Lord Jesus, we come to You this morning Asking that You would unite us 
to one another and to yourself. Holy Spirit, we call upon you this morning and ask that you would open our eyes and cause our hearts to be a receptive place that your word might take root. Holy Spirit, we know that you are the one who first inspired these words. So now teach us spiritual truths as we submit ourselves to it. And we pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. How do people know that you are a Christian? What marks you out as someone who follows Christ? Now, unfortunately, the approach that many have taken in the broader evangelical church has been driven by the forces of consumerism. You see, we live in a culture in which people are identified by what they can purchase. We reflect who we desire to be or what we what group we see ourselves as a part of through buying certain things. What do I mean? Well, if someone wants to be athletic, what is the first thing that they're going to do? Well, they're going to buy the right clothes. Buy that watch that tracks all of your energy output. Begin to pay for a gym membership and get some good running shoes. Now, none of these actually does anything to make you a healthier person. But we have been trained to believe that if we have the proper accessories then we can buy the results. You want to lose weight? Buy this product, this pill, this shake. You want to be part of a winning team? Then buy the jersey. You want to know more about history? Then go and buy a book about history. You want to be one with nature? Then go to REI and stock up on all the hiking and camping gear that you can afford. And so it's no surprise That as a culture, we allow consumerism to drive how we identify as Christians. You want to follow Christ? Well, you're going to need that 15-pound ESV study Bible. You're going to need a journal. You're going to need to get some good Christian music. You're going to want to buy some of those nice t-shirts with witty Christian adaptations of product logos. You're going to buy your kids veggie tails, not Teletubbies. You buy wall hangings with scriptures. You get a necklace with a cross. You order every C.S. Lewis book ever written. And you make sure you have that fish decal on the back of your car. Again, we believe that if we purchase the proper accessories, then we can buy the substance. If we buy Christian things, then we must be Christians. That's how I will put on Christianity. We do this because this is how we've been trained to express belonging and identity. And of course, it goes beyond just buying things. Where we go to church, how we worship, how we listen to God's Word is so often driven by consumerism. We don't go where we feel like we will be challenged, but so often as a culture, we go where... We feel like it fits our vibe, where it fits our identity. This is the type of church I want to go to, not because it's going to cause me to grow, but because it's the type of church that I would like to buy as a consumer. 
And if it doesn't fit my desire, I'll go somewhere else. We all know that you can have the best running shoes and fail to run a mile. We can have the top of the line rifle and never shoot a buck. We can buy those wonder shakes and continue to eat at Benny's Pizza two or three times a week. And we can have all the essential Christian accessories and still not put on Christ. We can have all the outer signs of being a Christian, but still not know Christ as our Savior. We can put on the Christian outfit and still not belong to the family of God. In our passage for this morning, Paul is encouraging the church in Colossae to put on Christ. As we spoke about last week, we are to put off the old self. The self that is rooted in the fallen sinful nature connected with Adam. We are to put those practices of the old self to death. And in their place, we are called to put on the new self. We are called to be clothed in those realities that arise from being united to Christ. You see, we all have a desire to know that we belong to the family of God. To know that we have a new identity in Christ. But that identity is rooted in deeper realities than what we can buy, what we can physically put on. Rather, what we will see is that what marks us out as belonging to Christ is union with Christ expressed in our new family, in our new heart, and in our new order of life. Last week, we concluded the sermon with the idea of family resemblance. When you are a member of a family, there are marks that you belong to that family. Hair color, height, build, expressions, shared experiences, traditions that you have in your family, history, values. You see, a large part of who you are comes from your family. And Paul is saying, to put on Christ is to put on a new family. If you look at verse 11 into verse 12 of your text, we see there Paul saying, here, that is in Christ, in union with Christ, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The first way that we are marked out as those who belong to Christ is through putting on Israel as our new family. In verse 11, Paul marks or makes it clear that identity is no longer primarily considered according to the old nature. Right? If you are in Christ, Your nationality, the family that you were born into, whether you're American or Mexican or German, this is not primarily how you are accounted in the kingdom of God. You are not primarily male or female, poor or rich, old or young. Yes, these realities still exist, but primarily you are in Christ. You are now a part of His spiritual family, the family that we know as Israel. Now, throughout the Old Testament, the Lord referred to this family through three important markers. They are holy, they are chosen, and they are loved. 
These are the markers of our new family. So listen to Deuteronomy 7. How the Lord describes this family that He has constituted and brought together. He says to them, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you. These are the marks of the family of God. The family that you have joined through Christ to be chosen, to be holy, and to be loved. And when you put on Christ, you put on these family markers. This is what you identify as, as a Christian. As verse 12 says, you are chosen. You are chosen by God. Not because there's something magnificent in you. Not because you did something to be chosen, but rather you are an object of God's grace. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ. This is a family marker. God said to Israel, it wasn't because you were great that I chose you, but because I love you that I chose you. And God's Word says the same thing about you, Christian. You have been chosen. It also means that you are holy. Holiness is a mark of what it means to be in Christ. It means that you have been set apart by God to live in a manner that's reflective of God's nature. The Lord says to Israel, You shall be holy to Me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be Mine. Do you see the logic here? The Lord has chosen you to be a member of His family. And now that you belong to Him, you will begin to resemble Him. He is holy. And therefore, you will be holy. You have been chosen by Him. And therefore, you will grow in holiness. You will begin to resemble the family into which you have been adopted. And third, you are beloved of God. This is a mark that you must put on. You must begin to live in this reality. If you are in Christ, then you are loved by God. You are not called to earn this love. You are called to live in the reality of this love. You see, to put on this family resemblance isn't to try to make God love you as a father, but it's to live in the reality that God is your father and that He loves you. This is what it means to put on Christ. It means to put on the marks of being a member of God's chosen, holy, and loved people. If you are in Christ, then you are a member of God's chosen people. You are not an orphan. You have been adopted into the family. And by God's grace through faith, you have become sons of Abraham. Your new family, Israel, is how you are identified as God's chosen, holy, and loved children. To put on Christ... You must begin with the truth that by God's grace, you have been chosen to be a member of His family. The next way that we put on Christ 
is to put on Christ as the true law by which we live. Look at verses 12 through 14 of your text. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, the way that we put on Christ is to put on the true moral law of God. There's a major misconception concerning the place of the law in the life of a Christian. Now, over the past several weeks and over the past several decades and generations here at Rivermont, we have made it very clear that we are not saved by keeping the law. That foundation has been laid. We are chosen by God's grace. And through the death of Christ, we are forgiven and we are accepted. Not because we have kept the law, but because Christ kept the law and has brought us into His family by grace. It is all of grace. We add nothing to our acceptance into the family of God. Nevertheless, one very important result of our being chosen is holiness, as we have just said. Ephesians 1 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. We are not saved by our holiness, but we are saved to be holy. We are not saved because we are like Christ, but we are saved to become like Christ. We are not saved by the law, but we are saved to live according to the true moral law of God. In the Old Testament, Israel failed to live according to God's covenant law. But the obedience, death, and resurrection of Christ was not meant to replace the need for Israel's holiness. Our family is still called to be a holy family. Rather, the work of Christ was aimed at releasing us from enslavement to sin so that we would be enabled to follow God's commandments. And so we are called as Christians to put on, to clothe ourselves with those practices that reflect that we are members of God's family. Not outward obedience, but inward heart obedience that is rooted in the new self given to us in Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. These are the true law of God. These are the qualities that we are called to walk in. And now by the power of the Spirit within you, now that you have been chosen and loved, now that you are united to Christ, you must put on these qualities. In our study of union with Christ, as laid out in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3, we saw that whatever Christ has done has affected us. Because He died, we died. Because He rose, we rose. Because He is seated in heaven, so too are we seated with Him. Yet our union with Christ is even broader than these events of salvation history. Our union with Him means that His obedience will begin to lead to our obedience. 
because He is compassionate, as we live in union with Him, we will grow in compassion. Because Christ was humble and meek, as we dwell in Christ through faith, we will grow in humility and meekness towards one another, not counting ourselves better than others, but giving ourselves in acts of service and love. Because Christ has forgiven us, we will begin to be more forgiving. Not holding a grudge against our neighbors, not growing in bitterness and anger. And because Christ has loved us, because He chose to bring us into His family through dying on the cross, we must also love one another. How do we put on Christ? How does the world know that we belong to Christ? We follow the commandment of God to love one another. Listen to Christ's words in John 13. He says to His disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now listen to this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do we put on Christ? How are we marked out as Christians? By loving one another. So put on Christ. Put on compassion and humility and love. This is how the world will know that you belong to Christ. And this is how you will know that you belong to Christ. That you follow the true law of God in Christ to love one another as Christ has loved us. So to put on Christ... You must put on your new identity as Israel, the true family of God. You must put on the new law of love that Christ has loved us and called us to love one another. And the final thing that we see is that we must put on Christ as Lord, our true Lord. Now the question becomes... How do I begin to walk in these realities? How do I begin to walk in the reality that I am now a part of God's family? How do I begin to love my neighbor as myself and follow the example of Christ? How do I move beyond just following a bare law that doesn't have any power and I'm just willing myself to do it? How do I begin to reflect a Christ-like life? Well, the answer is that you put on Christ as your true Lord. Look at verses 15 through 17, or 16 rather. Paul says there, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, to put on Christ is to walk in the practices that He has laid out for His people to walk in. That is, if you want to grow to be like Christ, then we are called to follow the path that Christ has laid out for us. This begins by, in faith, submitting to the peaceful rule of Christ in your heart. 
The word translated there, rule, means the work of an umpire. It's a sporting term. So those of you who play baseball know that the umpire is the one who calls balls and strikes in the game. It's according to his rule that the game is played. And what Paul is saying is if you want to put on Christ, then you need to submit yourself to the judgment of Christ. It is his peace that will order how you respond to issues in life. And so you hear bad medical news or you give your teenager the keys to the car for the first time or you sit down to take your SATs. How do you do those things as Christians? How do you do them in a way that reflects that you belong to Christ? Will you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? You give the worries and fears over to him and let him be the one who makes the call. Next, you submit to the wise words of Christ. For Paul, this submission to the words of Christ come in the midst of worship. Now, we've often thought of Paul's command in a personal manner. That is, we have the Word of God dwell within us personally. And while that is true, Paul's focus in this verse is that the Word of God would dwell richly within the context of worship. That as the body of believers gathers together, that they must focus on the wisdom of Christ and of His Word. To grow in Christ, we must be in a body that focuses on His Word. And we must be in a body that offers to the Lord biblical songs of thanksgiving and worship. Last week we spoke about how the old self had idolatry at the core. To put on the new self means that we must have worship of Christ at our core. We must love Him and His Word. We must sing of Him and of His glory. And as we do this, our lives will begin to be ordered according to His ways. As we submit to Christ as Lord and begin to worship Him, our hearts begin to be changed. You see, we become like the very things that we worship. If we worship idols, then we will become like idols. We'll become empty. We will become vain. But if we worship Christ, if we put Christ at the very heart of who we are, then we will begin to grow into the likeness of Christ. Modern American Christianity can feel a bit thin sometimes. An identity that can be purchased, tried on for a season, and discarded with the old jogging shoes that were never used in the juicer that made one kale beet smoothie. You say, that's not for me. And maybe you feel a bit like this this morning. You feel like you've purchased all the right Christian paraphernalia. From the outside, people might really be fooled. But you know that something isn't right. You feel like that guy that you've seen, right? He has 20 pounds of tech gear to help him run two miles and he still can't do it. And you feel like you've put on all this Christian stuff, all the outward Christian identity markers. And you still aren't growing. You feel like you have got everything that you're supposed to. You've put on all the trappings. But if it were all taken away, 
would the world still recognize you as a Christian? If you didn't have the Christian talk, if you didn't have the Christian dress, if you didn't have the Christian bumper sticker, would the world still be able to look at your life and say, that is a man, that is a woman, that is a student, that is a doctor, that is an engineer who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put on Christ, is it just the outward markers of following the Lord? Or are we changed at the very core of our being? If not, then I call you today to put on Christ. To come into the new family of God. To take on as your identity one who is chosen, one who is holy, one who is loved. Not someone who is trying to earn those things, but one who is secure in the reality that God has loved them before the foundation of the earth. If you would put on Christ, then give yourself over to the law of love. To be compassionate and humble, and meek, and forgiving, seeking to be like Christ Jesus. And submit to Christ as the Lord of your life. Ordering your life according to His Word and His worship. So that the final verse of our text in 17 would be reflective of us. That whatever we do, in word or deed, we would do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So Christian, put off the old self and the idolatry that led to death. And put on the new self, worshiping Christ, that you might be more like Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father, we pray that You would apply these truths to our hearts, that we might be more like Christ, and that the world might know us through our love. We pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.